Good morning. I'm very happy to see all of you this morning. Our uh, our guests and our members, we're happy to have all of you here. We're going to continue this morning in the story. We're going to pick up in chapter 18, which focuses on the prophet Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel and his three friends are, I think, people for whom we really don't have to wonder too much why God included them in the Bible. All of them serve, I think, as exceptional examples of what it means to honor and serve God. If you haven't read through the book of Daniel, I encourage you to do so. This week would be a great time to do that. Read chapter 18 in the story or just pick up Daniel and read, read it through your, your conventional Bible. Uh, but today, I'm, I'm not going to look at all 12 chapters. You're probably happy about that. Uh, actually, we're going to glean out some episodes in order to try to highlight some key points that I think are useful for our lives today as we walk the Christian walk. Uh, but first, let's pray. Would you join me? Father, thank you for this time to open your word, to look at the examples of saints who have gone before us, uh, shining examples of what it means to serve you in integrity and devotion. Father, open our hearts and minds to hear your message today. Speak, please, through your word and your spirit uh, so that we can see what you have for us today here in Huntsville and in this life that we live for you and for Christ. We pray it all in his name. Amen. A little background. uh, I think it was B.C. 605, 605 B.C., the king of Babylonia, Nebuchadnezzar at the time, invaded the southern kingdom of Israel. It was called Judah. And he laid siege to Jerusalem. And it was just horrible. Uh, by the time he was done, um, the temple that Solomon had built was destroyed. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar had proved out a complete victory. And on his way back to Babylon, he had in his train with him a gathering of what we might call the best and the brightest, young, young men of, of the tribe of Judah, of the kingdom of Judah, uh, that were smart, that were healthy, that were trainable. And Daniel and his four friends were in that, in that crowd. Now, just at the outset, think for a moment how if you had been Daniel and his friends and this had happened to you, think how might that make you feel to have such a huge calamitous change in your life. Think how you might be challenged in your thoughts about God and about where he is and about who he is. Daniel and his friends never wavered, despite all that, in their devotion to serving and honoring God. Even though they were now captives of a foreign king and being carried away to a far-off foreign land, separated from their loved ones, their families, their friends. Despite all that, they demonstrated an integrity and a faithfulness that were truly remarkable. Let's read about it. Daniel chapter 1, starting at verse 1. I think we have those. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. 
The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, that is Nebuchadnezzar's God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths of, and whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning and knowledge, and who had the ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. That's the Babylonians. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank. And he appointed that they should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them were from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. To Daniel he assigned the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. Verse 8. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. As I stand before you, it's probably evident to you that I enjoy comfort food. (laughs) I suspect that if I had been Daniel and my captors wanted to start feeding me from the king's table, my response would have been, thank you very much. (laughs) Please bring more. But not Daniel. The Bible says he made up his mind Maybe your Bible says he was resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food and wine. I think that's the first important lesson for us today, the first trait, if you will, that we see from the life of Daniel, that he decided in his mind and he was resolute about it, that he would not violate the principles that he knew were important to God. Let me remind all of us, me included, that as Christians we are in a war. As you know, Paul says it's not a war of flesh and blood, it's a war of spiritual realm. It's not against flesh and blood, it's against the schemes, Paul says, of the devil. Daniel knew this. He knew that the battlefield was in the mind. Let me uh, encourage you, let's go to what Paul wrote about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I think we've got that. For we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. For us, we have to to remember the nature of the warfare in which we find ourselves. We, We have to steal our minds that we are to be people of integrity, true to God's word. 
So what happened when Daniel and his friends abstained from the king's food and drink? Back to, I'll read for you, Daniel chapter 1, back there, uh, starting with verse 15. At the end of the ten days, this was a testing period that Daniel had arranged for, test us with just vegetables and water rather than the king's food and drink. At the end of the ten days, their appearance seemed better and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine that they were to drink, and he kept giving them vegetables. As for these four youths, that is Daniel and his three friends, God gave them knowledge and intelligence and every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Uh, my wife Lynetta and I saw on the news recently, maybe you saw the same report, that you can no longer use the term fat in the workplace. Lynetta's a homemaker, so recently she declared in our kitchen that no one can use the word fat in this workplace anymore. <laughs> and, and I thanked her for that. And I asked her if she would also consider including in that ban the words grumpy old man. But she said, no, those are still good words to use around the house. So the point, but the point of these verses is that God honored Daniel's faith and obedience. He honored Daniel's faith and obedience by keeping him and his friends healthy. That, that's really what that passage means. They were well-nourished. They didn't become obese. They didn't become portly by eating vegetables. God kept them, made them healthy, both in appearance and reality, well-nourished. And he also gave them, as a part of their faith and obedience, the ability to understand, the ability to learn. And he gave Daniel a special ability to interpret dreams um, and to understand them. And uh, we'll look at that in just a minute more. Let's move to the second episode. Daniel chapter 2, starting at verse 1. I'll read a few verses here for you. Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied to the Chaldeans, The command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. Let's skip over to uh, verses 17 through 19. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter so that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of the Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in the night vision, a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Talk about an unreasonable boss. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, it disturbs him, and then he demands that his wise men read his mind and tell him what the dream was and what the meaning was. Or face a horrible death. How would you like to have that for a job assignment? If you read further in the chapter, uh, 
passages that I didn't that I didn't read, you'll see how the magicians, the sorcerers, responded to, to Nebuchadnezzar, essentially saying, "Boss, you're just being a little you're being a little unreasonable here." Now, how do you think Nebuchadnezzar reacted to that? He became more unreasonable, right? Uh, but Daniel remained calm, as I read. He he went back to his friends and he asked them to pray. He asked them to ask God for help. God granted the help. God gave the vision and the interpretation to Daniel. And the Bible says, in response, Daniel praised God. And I think those are the next two important traits for us to notice about the life of Daniel. Prayer and praise. In prayer, Daniel and his friends acknowledged their dependence on God. They expressed their dependence on God and they acknowledged that he was their only source for deliverance from the king in his edict. In praise, Daniel expressed thanksgiving and adoration. Let's look at what specifically Daniel said in his praise. It's uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 20. Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epics. He removes the king, kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, and you made known to us the king's matter. Daniel shows us that when life and people, or both, goes insane, that the only first best true source to contend with all those circumstances is God. When we pray and acknowledge our dependence on Him, and we give Him praise, He honors us. We have reasons to give Him praise for all the blessings that He regularly showers into our lives. Yes, ma'am. Last episode I want to read to you from the book of Daniel, chapter 3. Start, I'm sorry, starting at verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king, this is chapter 3, verse 1, made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits, and its width was 6 cubits. So it's 90 feet tall, about 9 feet wide. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. That's going down to verse 4. Then the herald, this is the spokesperson for the king, uh, the herald loudly proclaimed, To you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at that time, when all the peoples heard the sound of the horn and the flute and the lyre and all kinds of music, all the peoples and nations and men of every language fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Not everyone, however, bowed down and worshipped the image. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Bible says, would not bow down to the golden image. How do you think Nebuchadnezzar reacted when he heard that? Let's read, uh, go down to verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave order to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? The king confronts these three young Israelite men, and he derides God in the process. Did you see that? Did you hear that at the end? But they remain faithful to God's truth. They exhibit what I see as the next important lesson, important trait from the book of Daniel for us to consider for our lives today. Moral courage. The three friends of Daniel showed clearly a moral courage that I think facilitated their physical courage. Courage to speak the truth to the king, to remain faithful despite the extreme trial. And they boldly declared that their God, whom they serve, is able. Let's look at verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So what happened next? Nebuchadnezzar does not have a real good track record of rational thought so far, right? So he commanded that the furnace be stoked, and that the heat be increased to seven times normal. And he had the three Israelite young men bound with tight ropes, and he had them cast into the furnace. But God was in the furnace, too. He was in there amongst them. He protected them from the fire. He delivered them. And Nebuchadnezzar saw it all as he looked inside the furnace. He said he saw one like a son of God in there with him. And he called them to come out. He said, come out, come out. And when they came out and he saw that there was no singe, there was not even a smell of fire on them, he was changed. Look at verse 28 of chapter 3. This is what Nebuchadnezzar said, chapter 3, 28. He responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. So I want to, I guess... Recap a little bit, kind of here. Daniel and his three friends provide for us, I think, what is a shining example of what it means to serve and honor God. In the passages that we've briefly gone through, we see 
I think, four key traits from all of them that are just as important for us today. Number one, they had a resolve to obey God no matter what. They had made up in their mind that they're not going to cross a line. They knew where that line was, and they said, I'm not going to cross it. Number two, prayer. They, they relied on prayer. They practiced prayer that acknowledges their dependence on God. Number three, praise. They gave God the praise for all the blessings that he brought in their life. They gave thanksgiving and they gave adoration. And number four, moral courage. They exhibited a moral courage that, exhibit, that enabled their physical courage. And for the rest of our time together, I just want to highlight a few more things. Three observations, two questions. So that was four traits. I'm going to look at three observations, two questions, and one answer, and it will go fast. Three observations. Daniel and his friends served God both individually and as a team. If you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, Paul wrote, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. All of us have a God-given role in which we're called to serve. But we fulfill that role as part of a team, really as part of a, a family. We're part of the family of God. We each have our role, but we serve that role to help the body of Christ. Number two, second observation, Daniel and his friends serve God, stay with me, as servants of God. They serve God as servants of God. Remember what the three said near the furnace. They said, the God whom we serve is able. See, they weren't trying to serve God as a ruler. They weren't trying to serve God as sons of nobility, Jewish nobility. They were trying to serve God as humble servants of God. Let's look at what Jesus said in regard to this. Luke chapter 17. Seven through ten. Which of you, these are red letters, this is Jesus speaking. Which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come immediately and sit down and eat? But will he not sit... Will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat, and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink? And afterward, you may eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which were commanded you, say that we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we have ought to have done. As Christians... We bow to no man. We pray to no God except the Almighty in heaven and through His Son, Jesus Christ. We serve Him with no pretense in our minds of equality with Him. He is the Master. We are the servants. We are the slaves, as Jesus says in Luke 17. These truths are what guide our thoughts and our words and actions. They are the same attitudes that guided Daniel and his three friends. The last observation I have is Daniel and his friends served God in every stage of their life and despite being in exile. We often make excuses to avoid service in God's kingdom based on the major season of life we maybe happen to be in. When we're young, we tell ourselves, well, I got some wild oats I still want to sow. I'll serve God when I'm older and don't have as much fun, don't, want, want, don't need to have as much fun. 
You know, midlife, we tell ourselves, well, I'm just so busy with work. You know, I've got to pay that mortgage. I've got to make sure that retirement fund is full. And I'm just too tired. And when we're older, we tell ourselves, well, I've done my part. Nobody really wants my contribution anyway. Daniel's example stands in stark contrast to all of that. If you assume that Daniel was 17 years old when he was taken into captivity, then he was not yet 20 years old when he refused to eat the king's meals. We didn't read about it, but in chapter 5 there's an episode where he interprets handwriting on the wall at Belshazzar's feast. He was called in to interpret writing that was a judgment against Belshazzar and Babylon. He was not yet 60 when he did that. And when he refused to pray to Darius and instead pray only to God, and Darius threw him into the lion's den, Daniel was over 80 years old when that happened. Daniel served God actively his whole life, regardless of the circumstances, without excuse. We should do the same. Two questions. So, four traits, three observations, two questions. Have you, have I, accepted our God-given role in his family? Have I looked for the place where he has for me, and have I fulfilled that? Number two, am I serving, are we serving God as a servant, despite our stage of life, despite our circumstances? Or are we trying to serve God on our terms? Are we trying to serve ourselves first and then get to God when we're done? We have need for quite a few servants here in Huntsville Christian Church. We have a broad number of opportunities for those who would, who would come and serve Christ as servants. In our children's ministry, there is openings at every level, from the nursery all the way through the Sunday school ages. We can use you. In the money ministry, we have elders doing things that elders shouldn't be doing. Not nefariously. What I mean is an elder's work is... I thought about this before I preached it. An elder's work is what? To pray, to seek God's word, to guard the flock, not to manage the money. God bless us that we have Paul and Mike and who are willing to do that as well as be elders. Um, thankful that Brad Troyer recently took on duties to be the primary financial secretary. But we need others to step forward and take on duties and responsibilities so that elders can focus on elders' work. Please contemplate if that's where God's calling you. Let us know if it is. We have opportunities for Sunday school teachers. Our, our hope, the elders, is to rework the Sunday school situation here in Huntsville Christian Church soon so that we translate to a, a semester concept so that every 13 weeks we have a brand new set of four or five topics that you can come and, and partake in. Maybe a book of the Old Testament, a book of the New Testament, maybe how to build a better marriage, maybe how to raise your kids. What, those are just examples. But to do that, we need to have teachers. And if we do that, if enough of us come, we can share the load, right? It's not the same guy that teaches the same class for seven years. All right? 
there's lots of other opportunities. These are just examples that I wanted to highlight to you, that if you feel like there's a role for you that you haven't fulfilled, think about this or some other role that you see needs meeting in the Huntsville Christian Church and come and talk to us. So, four traits, three observations, two questions. Really, none of my questions really matter. None of this really matters. What matters most is what I've led up to now. One answer. His name is Jesus. You know, the book of Daniel really isn't about Daniel. The book of Daniel is often called the Apocalypse or the Revelation of the Old Testament. It gives the vision for the first coming of the Messiah. And central to, throughout the whole book, is Jesus and his coming, his eventual coming. He's the answer. He's the answer on how we become a member of God's family. He's the answer on how we find the role in God's kingdom to do the things he wants us to do. He gives us the example of how to serve and honor God. He's the answer to all of life's circumstances. When you're given an insane choice at work, Jesus is the answer. I believe he was the one in the furnace. I know he was the one on the cross. And I know that his name is the only one under heaven that was given to men by which we must be saved. The Bible gives us the plan of salvation, and it is Jesus-centric. Faith in Jesus, confession of Jesus, repentance from evil and moving towards Jesus, immersion into Jesus, living a life of obedience and faith for Jesus. All those things, he is the key element, the crucial element. It all falls apart if he's not there. All of those activities are wasted effort if they're not focused on Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you need to become a member of the family of God. Maybe you understand that you're not living right and you've tried other things and it's just not working for you. Jesus is the answer. This is the time to make that decision. In a moment, the music worship team is going to provide a song. It'll be your opportunity to come forward and let us know if you want to confess Christ, be immersed, join the family. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian already, and maybe you're looking for a place to, to join a fellowship. We're happy to have you join us. Extend to the right hand of Christian fellowship and go to work with you in the master's fields. Maybe you're here and you just want prayer. We have elders here, and it would be our honor to pray with you and, and uh, minister to you that way. Whatever it is, I hope you'll contemplate right now what God is saying to your heart and that you'll use this time to respond. Very wonderful to be with you today. You've been a blessing to me, and I just uh, appreciate you making time to worship with us. Uh, John will be back next week. Please keep him and his family in prayer. They're going to be traveling in the middle of the week this week. And uh, uh, as he says, uh, it's been great, but now it's time to go. Uh, And as you go, I hope you'll recall the examples of Daniel, the resolve to obey God regardless, to to pray and show our our dependence and acknowledgement of uh, our dependence on him. Praise God, giving him thanks and adoration. And finally, moral courage that facilitates our physical courage. 
bless you as you do. And one last thing I'll ask, please stay with us as we sing our our, uh, exiting worship song, and then we'll be dismissed after that song. God bless you all.